emotions we are currently experiencing. I am mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, intellectually, and academically developed and acutely aware of the condition of African people throughout the entire world. We don't want fortune, we don't want popularity, we want power. Power. And power comes only from the organized masses. Welcome to a 1919 special Prisoner Justice Day episode. My name is Mohammed and I'm your host. Prison Justice Day started on August 10th, 1976 to remember two prisoners who died while locked up in solitary confinement in a Canadian maximum security institution. Prisoner Justice Day has continued to be commemorated both inside prison and outside and has become an international day to recognize all those who have died unnatural deaths while in prison. Every August 10th, prisoners hold a one-day work stoppage and hunger strike, while supporters on the outside hold community events to educate the public to the conditions of Canadian prisons. In this episode, I'm joined by Matthew Campbell-Williams and Fiona Bailey to do just that. Matthew is an organizer and a criminal defense and prison law student, and Fiona Bailey is a cook, entrepreneur, and formerly incarcerated mother committed to prisoner justice. I hope you enjoy the show. Can you all start us off by speaking a bit about what prisoner justice means to you? Prisoner Justice Day to me would mean a lot to see a lot of um, freedom of speech be heard in the prison justice system. No doubt. Um, And for me, prisoner justice is creating a world where people who end up in prison are given chances to do better before they end up there. Um, Kids are given jobs, people are given mental health support, people have good family structures, go to good schools. I think that's what prison justice means to me. Um, People being able to avoid them altogether. Let's talk about uh, the current landscape of abolitionist organizing in Canada. Matthew, can you talk a bit about the Toronto Prisoners' Rights Project, how you got Mm -hmm. involved, and the type of work that they do? So the Toronto Prisoners' Rights Project is um, a volunteer group, volunteer group, grassroots group, community organization, like all, like, you know, all of those terms um, describe it. But I got involved with them about maybe a year and a half or two ago, maybe not two years, maybe about a year and a half ago. Um, and they do basically, they do like frontline advocacy. Um, like we've done as far as like written, like giving people like volunteer opportunities. So like when they come out of jail, they have our parole, they have something to say, like I'm volunteering with this group. We've done, um, fundraisers. We do the, the hot, a jail hotline where people call, can call for free, um, and literally just, if they need, some people call just to say that they need a, someone to pass a message to their mom or something, you know, or someone mm-hmm. might need help looking something up or stuff like that. So it basically is just a lot of people who have different sort of skills and however um, they can use that skill to 
aid is is however like you know we have people who are good artists and and their whole thing is just if there's an event coming up or an issue going on in prison they'll be the one to draw or illustrate it you know to go on social media and stuff or for example like I'm in law school so things around that like I can help you know so it's just a lot of different people who just have different experiences and different beliefs that brought them towards prison and stuff um, and prison organizing and, and standing up for people in prison and so just do what we can as a black person you're not far from jail because all it takes is for a police officer to think you're the one he wants to put in jail today or she right or however so um it almost was like a no-brainer for me when to see and especially being on a path to want to do law um being involved in organizing around this was just a no-brainer because it's like we can't hide from it you know like we're because and it's not our fault but we're we're filling up the prison and jails right so and it's, mm -hmm. and it's not the, it's not our fault of course it's not to say that you know we deserve to be there but it's just that's the reality in, in Toronto especially right so to to ignore that um it it was just something I didn't want to do you know so that is kind of how I got into like volunteering and and stuff like that in general but as for TPRP it was it was really easy to join they're very welcoming as long as people are passionate and and have a good heart you know it doesn't matter about time or how much you can do or what you can do it's just more passion and stuff so yeah uh, my next question is for Fiona um, I wanted to know if there were any aspects of your prison experience you wanted to speak on for our, our audience being incarcerated it was a new experience for me which I had to ground myself, be solid, um, being like my mind more in a defensive mode. Mm. So it was risky and um, it was like, it was scary for me because you were a prisoner. It's like you weren't allowed to speak. You mm -hmm. were judged basically. And I think incarceration should be more like a rehabilitation for you, also preparing to come back out in your community. Mm -hmm. It was not like that. None of that is there. It may be on the wall, but it's not demonstrated within the, the correctional system. I wanted to just add on to um, what Fiona was saying. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it and it, it shows like how strong um, people inside have to be and the daily effort that like people think that people come out and it's just back on the streets doing whatever, you know, and they don't understand how hard it is to come out just whether you did, you know, 13 months or however long, right, to just come out and just be back in the, in the real world. And after you had spent so much time being in an environment where you have to be defensive. So it, I want people to really, when they see people who come out and they see people who are doing the right thing or trying to do the right thing to understand how much strength that that mm -hmm. takes from them because the jail or the prison didn't do any of that for them. 
No. So people come out worse than they were before because of the trauma yep. of the jail. So to so for people like my cousin and, and everyone else who came out and, and were able to get their life on track, it I want to shout out the strength that that takes because the jail doesn't help them at all. All of that mm -hmm. comes from their own strength and the people around them who build them up. So I, before you moved on, I wanted to, because she made a great point about, you know, coming out and, and what people come out to. So I wanted to shout her out, especially on the record and, and everyone else in that situation, because it's strength, it's pure strength that, mm -hmm. that gets people through this when they come out. So how was the transition period like, uh, Fiona, when you transitioned out of the prison system? Wow, that was another transmission for me. It's just like I was going stages after stages when I came out because um, my sleeping pattern was changed. My eating pattern was changed. I wasn't comfortable. I'm not going to be comfortable unless I'm directly home. So I had to go to a halfway house for six months. And it's just like the halfway house was just like being in the prison. But it's, it, you know, the staff, there were warm and stuff like that. But I had to transform myself, especially coming out in COVID. I was just like, it brought on such um, anxiety on me. It was such a, a mental build up and breakdown at the same time. But me within myself know that it was the courage in me knew that I wasn't going to stay at this level. I'm just a pastor by, I, I just did something wrong and I had to pay my time and I have to go back to the process to get back home. If the prison system had physically and mentally helped me, coming out would be like a piece of cake, but it was not. You mm -hmm. just want to get out of there because it's just like, First of all, I think that the guards in the institution needs to upgrade. It's, it's more abusive than anything. You have guards swearing to you. You have guards coming up in your face, right? And to just know that, okay, you know what? I'm doing 13 months. I'm not here for long. Even if they 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 did something that you don't like, you had to sup it up, you had no rights. And even if you write the human complaint, you're wondering if it's gonna get to them. And when it does go in front of the board to speak about, your voice is still not heard. And that's what caused inmates to um, end up being incarcerated and getting into trouble instead of mm -hmm. looking for a brighter future, right? That's my intake on that one. Uh, I'm gonna move on to the next question, um, which is about the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, how has the pandemic exacerbated um, or made things worse, the conditions in prisons? Um, has there been uh, any pushback that you witnessed um, from prisoners on how uh, prison administration and staff have handled COVID-19 inside? What was it yes. like? Yes. Um, for one, we were all frightened throughout this pandemic. 
I, we understand, I basically understand that they were working off the medium. Hmm. So things was changing just like this and they had to operate. But they weren't carrying out the, in, the, 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 the um, information that was coming out from public health. What I found out when I was there during the pandemic, as the warden, I feel if you have a crisis within the prison system throughout COVID and your staff transformed that virus between the inmates, brought it in the prison system, I don't see the warden should be home on weekends. It's a crisis. You should mm. be in the institution. So they would operate from Monday to Friday and leave us all into confrontation with ourselves, fighting among each other, don't know answers, don't know questions, been rudely asked, asked question, and you've been rudely um, answered back by the God. So that was just a chaos with the health department, the, mis the misled by everything. We didn't have anything. And when we try, to reach outside to let the media know they cut the phones off because they did not want it getting out to the media. And when our family members were calling the institution to find out information because they hear on the news that the Grand Valley Institution had numbers of COVID, they rudely answer family member or did not answer the phone. And when we call our loved ones, they said to us, we are calling the prisons and we can't get any answers. All of those need to be cut out. That's something that we got to fight for. It's, it's like we have no power as, as inmates, especially the lifers. The mm -hmm. lifers that are doing 25 to life, they have no say. And when we go the correct way to do things, we don't know if our mail is getting sent because it goes in a special envelope and they know that's a complaint form going out. We don't wow. know if our complaint go out. So sometimes you just got to shut up and deal with what's in the prison system. Sad mm -hmm. to say, but that's how it works. This question is for both of y'all. Uh, what methods of protest and refusal, such as hunger strikes, um, have you witnessed or heard in Canadian jails or prisons? And how have such actions brought attention to issues or inspired any change? We were planning a strike, a hunger strike, and we were warned if we do that, we will be on a Section 54. That means they will lock us down for 48 hours. We could not protest within the prison because people were scared that they wouldn't get their parole. Those are the torturement that it comes with. You do something for your right and you will get turned on at your parole. They mm -hmm. won't grant you parole. So, so punishing those are you the even more. Yes. So like what rights do a prisoner really have? Yeah, thank you, Matthew. Yeah, just, just obviously just echoing what Fiona said, but um, 
similar. Um, I've heard on the jail line, um, Maplehurst was planning a, a hunger strike. Um, that's a jail in, in Milton. That's the Peel Region jail. Um, they were planning, some guys in there were planning a hunger strike, I think, um, early summer, like springtime, like maybe March, April. And it was over like, like most reasonable things that you could you could or you could want like things like having um privilege shampoo like yeah not yeah like privileges but something as basic as um shampoo that would work for for their hair you know like not just one generic shampoo that damages people's hair just things like that things like Mm -hmm. having more than a few channels on the tv you know phone time more than one hour of of yard time a day and and the guard told them that the only thing that they that they the guards were willing to help them with was the tv channels um and guys made it like a few days but it it, it was just abuse from the guards on top of it right and it mm-hmm. and it's it's scary because um one of the guys who started it i actually know him and or through the line like i don't know him personally but like i know him just um just be a talking via the line and he was planning the hunger strike and they or one of the people planning it and they moved him like they wow. just moved him to a whole different jail they of course segregation some get put segregation but the case i'm talking about like they even took it beyond that you know segregation mm-hmm. is it was like they were like that's too light for him you know for the simple thing of standing up for their rights you know and it's like he wasn't talking about burning down the prison. He wasn't talking about hurting guards, nothing like that. They weren't talking about none of that. They were talking about, we won't eat. We will suffer ourselves, you know, just mm-hmm. for a better tomorrow. And that is like shut down, repressed, you know? Yeah. Um, so, it, and, and, and exactly what Phil is saying, it's like, and it's why people outside have to, speak up more right because when you're asking someone someone might have have been in there 10 years right and Mm -hmm. they know man if i do this hunger strike this month all the 10 years i've been in here trying to do better the jail's gonna look at this hunger strike i did or whatever and they're gonna deny me right and when you put people in those positions it's like you can't expect someone to, to, you know, people want to come home to their families and move on with their lives, you know? There's just so much to lose for people inside to stand. And it's sad, but there's so much to lose, right? Like, Mm-mm. people don't know high. what goes on. People don't know what goes on in there, right? Like, it doesn't make the news as much as police brutality, but guard brutality is, is like, so high. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. And it, but should, be it, un- it should be unacceptable. It should it not should happen. Be, absolutely. It should not. They're taking up the law into their hands. Exactly. And it's on people just for you for, for exercising their rights, you know? Yeah. So people outside, like things like this, like like this is perfect. This is great. Like people need to know about these stuff. And so it can't, so it doesn't just fall on to the people who are literally fighting for their lives, you know? Like people outside have to lift them up. Like just Mm -hmm. support them just do your time just just do your time and come out don't worry about having to fight all these extra battles you know 
that's what we need to do as a community when when our people go inside. We need to be the ones taking up these fights because the ones who are inside most times can't because it's their lives, it's their kids' lives, it's time with their family that they're risking versus mm -hmm. us, you know? So just to add on to what Fiona was saying. How can we, uh, as a community, recover from the ongoing violence and trauma of these institutions? I think people need to learn compassion. I think people need to learn empathy. I need people need to learn um, just about humanity, right? We're all humans. We're not, none of us are defined by our best thing and none of us should be defined by our worst thing. You know, there's a wide spectrum of people who come in and out of jail, right? Some, just like in every facility, some people are good people, some people are bad people, right? But regardless, mm -hmm. everyone deserves a chance to be better than what they are and be as good as they want to be. And if we, and we all hate crime, right? We all, everyone's like, we hate crime, we hate crime, we hate crime. Well, if we hated crime so much, we would do things for people who come out so mm -hmm. they don't keep committing crimes, mm -hmm. right? Like, we, if we hated crime so much and if we were so scared of crime and criminals, we wouldn't make a world where someone can do their time, supposedly do their debt to society and come out worse off than they were before. You know, like nowhere in society operates like prison, right? Nowhere in society can the people who are supposed to be watching over you, watching over your development or your rehab or whatever, can abuse you right a teacher can't do that mental health hospitals can't do that social workers can't do that and when they do they get in trouble for it they get fired they get put in jail themselves right mm -hmm. but jail is the only op jail is the only institution where people are taught that to somehow get better they have to endure trauma you know mm -hmm. that People, when they come out, need to endure that same trauma. People come out in their own family, um, doesn't want to talk to them. You know, like, mm -hmm. how is that going to improve anybody? How is that going to create a society where we all feel safe? You know, mm -hmm. where we all can feel comfortable, right? We need to, we need to understand empathy and compassion and, and humanity because none of us are far off. None of us are far away from jail as much as we want to think people want to think oh they're good people or they they you know that mm -hmm. would have happened to them you never know fam it can take one bad day mm -hmm. it can take one bad day i'm blessed I'm, I'm blessing from god i've never had to be in jail but one all it take i'm not above it one bad day can put you there mm -hmm. one mistake can put you there you could live a perfect life and do one bad thing and you could be gone for the rest of your life you know, mm -hmm. that's, and that's, that's, that's for everyone. Mm -hmm. So as long as we think, as long as we otherize people who did, oh, those people, those people who live their lives that way or criminal lifestyle, as long as we keep saying things like that and we don't find our humanity and, and compassion in all of us, mm -hmm. then this jail shit is just going to be the same thing as it is a revolving door, a revolving door. People go in. They come out after a while, if they don't have that support, if they don't have that, that you know, even simple things like some, so many people leave jail and don't have somewhere to sleep. Like they literally mm -hmm. don't have anywhere to sleep. First night of jail, after jail, 
They have to sleep on the street. Some people will commit a crime that night to go back because they're like, I, at least, I, yep. at least if I sleep in jail, at least if I sleep in jail, I get three meals and a bed. Mm-hmm. They might be shit meals and it might be a shit bed, but I don't have no bed or no meals outside, right? You have people who go to jail to get their teeth fixed. Yeah, who can't afford yeah. a dent? Who can't afford yeah. a dentist outside and will commit yeah. a crime to go to jail so they can get their teeth fixed and you to know? get their methadone and Suboxone too? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah people who yeah. go to jail to use drugs can't find or afford drugs outside. Go to jail to find drugs. Like this system does not work. Like it, it, it's backwards. I wanna know if we can ever change it out of 99 if we can change one out of it i want to know it may seems easy but it's not okay because they cover for each other they hide Mm. things they cover up Mm. things right because to go in the institution and investigate something they have to know that you're coming and when they know you're coming they're cleaning up their act they're cleaning up their act like it's so cruel in there most of these guards that work they have problem at home mm-hmm. they drink they abuse their families domestic violence they they're full of stuff and they take it to work and they take it out on the inmates, right? We are human. So this is what I'm saying. If they treat us as human, they will be get treated back the same way too, right? You have some of them will come and say, go in your fucking room, out of nowhere, because they just want you to be scared of them. And I always tell myself when I was there, I'm in your territory. So I'm going to do as you say. And that's how I survive in there. You have people would argue back to the tea with them and get thrown away for discipline. I didn't want that. I was just a passerby. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that. So I try to hold my head up. I have respect and stuff like that. If I see a guard that I know that guard is picky, I get out the way before they even see my face. That's bullying right there. You shouldn't be scared of guards. So how is it ever going to change? I don't know. Because you have lifers that look on me when I was leaving and say, please, please seek justice for us. That's how bad it is. Mm-hmm. Those lifer, when they do get out at age 50 or 60, there's nothing out there for them. They probably yeah. just commit a crime and go back there. They don't stick up for you in no form of way. None, none. From the warden go straight down, nothing. It's bare slackness within the correctional system. It's COVID and guard is not wearing their mask. They're not wearing proper EPP gowns. And they are supposed to. They mm-hmm. don't stole up. Go in your fucking room when you see us coming. 
and they are the one that brought the 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 the, the virus there. And also, also about about guards. Um, guards also need to be examined for what they. Okay, for example, right? COVID has been eighteen months. Video, um, in-person visits in jails have been done for the whole time. I think they just because they just put video visits back in the east a few months ago, right? Yeah, yeah. They they just put video vi visits back in the east a few months ago. So they had in-person visits. COVID hit. There were no visits for a while, and then a few months ago, they put video visits back. But the point is, no physical visitor has been inside any jail in a year plus. But there, but ask anyone in there if there's still drugs in there, if phones are still getting in, if contraband is still getting in. How are people getting in? How can people get? How can there be a readily supply of drugs every day in prison and jail? with no visits, if the only people who leave are the guards. Probably bringing it in themselves. Exactly. Some of them put it through the clothes, in the, in the waist of the clothes, they will sew it in, they will do something. Uh, where I was, they used to toss it over the fence. Mm-hmm. And yep, yep. And they're tasking fentanyl. Fentanyl comes in the mail at time too. And um, just to show you, it's the lock of, of, of work effort from the guards. Our mails, it will take us, it's, we're supposed to get our mail every other day. And it takes us two weeks sometime to get our mail because they said they're short staff. Yeah. And summer is the, is the worst for short staff. Lockdowns like most days out of the week um my friend in there right now said in the in the past he had called me and it was the past three weeks before he had called he said he had been out of his cell i think five times in three weeks and it's just things like when you think about it's like it's it's inhumane to do things like that who in outside goes three weeks without it, with five showers, when they have a readily accessible shower. No, none of the guards do that. None of the warden doesn't do that, but that's treatment that's okay. And, and really so many lockdowns are because staff just don't come in. There's not enough staff, not because of security issues, not because of a riot in the jail or a fight in the jail. Most of the time the jail is locked down because guards can't be bothered to come into work. And why do they not want to come into work? because they hate their job. Why do they hate their job? Because how could you not go hate your job every day? Like, obviously some guards do love being abusive and they love that power shit. But you have mm -hmm. to think, it can't be good for anyone to have to be in that environment every day. Even as a guard, having to put on this, most of them, I bet you are good, nice people outside of their job. But once they get into that jail environment, once they get around their boys and their buddies or whatever, they have to change. They have, you can't smile at an inmate. You can't say a nice thing to an inmate because now you look like you're on their side. Like the, the and, and it just fuels them more. And after someone's been in the guard for five years and now they're a completely different person than who they'd be like. It, the, jail is not a good environment for anyone, even the mm -hmm. workers. 
even the mm-hmm. workers who have to work there, like, it's not good, you know? Like Fiona was saying, they have issues at home and they bring it to, to work and they bring it up. They, like, how yeah, they don't that know how to separate their personal yeah. life with their work. I was in Vanier, not to cut you. I was in Vanier. No, no, go ahead, cuz. I was in Vanier, and for one week I didn't shower. Yeah. One week. Okay. It was COVID, and we're supposed to be separated. The jail was over capacity. And there were two and three to a cell when there is only one bunk. Okay, and that is not supposed to happen, but nobody knows what goes on on the inside. I will speak. And if I have to go publicly and speak, I will speak. I'm gonna be always living with this within me, always Mm -hmm. trying to be cautious. I am gonna always be cautious of what I do, not to go back through that horrible, experience in life it's the shadow of the prison like over your entire life yes one thing i want to point out in the correctional system there is too much family members working there mother working there daughter working there cousin working there and they did not take any form of program to get there okay You have kitchen staff that leave from the kitchen and become a guard. Mm -hmm. So the people that went to school and is looking for a career in correctional service, they can't get in because it's a family chain reaction going on in there. Not about the inmates. It's about more personal involvements with the guard. Uh, is there any any additional comments or messages that you'd like to leave for our audience or anyone you want to shout out? Not really, but I want to say thanks to you. Thanks to Matthew. I want to see more for the prisoners. Honestly, even though I'm not going back there, I would really like to see stand on the outside and see something change in there. Matthew, did you have any final points? Um... No, I think she said it all. She said it all. Shout out um, Sam. Shout out my boy Sam there. Shout out my boy Dell, um, whose child is coming up. Shout out my boy Dice, whose child is coming up next month. Um, let's see. Shout out my cousin, who in there right now, coming out soon. Um, he's coming free soon. We know that. Um, we plan for you every day, fam. Um, and we can't wait till all you guys are back on this side, especially my cousin, fam. Me and Fiona love you, fam. We're going to see you soon. <laughs>